Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Uh, I guess we're approaching midsummer. It's almost midsummer. It's June 30th. Finally. We're at the edge of June. This is Harriet Kimmick with Down to Earth. It's the podcast in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today we have something interesting to talk about. We're going to talk about all this stuff people are talking about, defunding the police. But what about violent crime? What happens with that? So we're going to talk in depth about that today. Uh, I know nobody from the police is ready to call in. I have a few whom I should have reached out to, but I don't think they wanted to hear what we're going to talk about, and I know they wouldn't want to participate, especially here in the Detroit area. So how are you all doing? It's the 30th of June. I'm not going to complain. It is really hot in Michigan, which is unusual for us because we don't, we're not accustomed to having really hot summers. But lately, in the last, I'd say in the last 10 years, it's kind of changed after 2012. And it's been trending that way. Typically, our summers are like 70-something degrees, 80 degrees at the top. And that's usually the height of summer, midsummer. Because by August, it starts to shift and it starts getting cooler in the evening. So you require a jacket. But this year, it kind of just went, I don't remember, spring. It just went boom. Like summer. It's so hot. The grass is brown, no matter how much water you put on it. And as for me, I'm not one of those persons who do the chemical stuff on lawns because I think they all have uh, chemicals that are carcinogens. So I'm not. And, and I'm still surprised that uh, Roundup is still being sold in stores. Did they win a lawsuit to continue selling? I mean, that's unfair to a lot of people. So I'm not about to buy any chemicals to, or weed killers or any of that stuff. I'm not doing that. I haven't done that in about three years because carcinogens are a problem. My exposure to it is what I'm trying to reduce, right? So today on our show, we're going to talk about defunding the police. Is that a legitimate conversation? Are those legitimate, uh, realistic uh, curbs to control or curb the violence that we're seeing from police? at unarmed black and brown people. That's really who the concern is about. This is not about Karen and Ken, right? Karen and Ken, the, the, the couple from St. Louis who brandished guns at unarmed protesters. White people never have to worry about violent crime impacting them. They never have to worry about being stopped by the police or being pulled over or being racially profiled. So they're not, they don't have a tough skin in this game. They're observers, really, of what is going on. But what I've noticed across the country is that in the wake of George Floyd, a number, most white people have totally shifted, and they have changed with their rhetoric and with their actions on what they consider to be fair and just. They're looking more at this and saying, wait a minute, this is a problem. This is not just something that a group of people just made up. This is a real problem because now the evidence speaks for itself. 
but the legitimate conversation about defunding the police and some of the ideas that have floated, I kind of stayed away from the conversation for a little just to see how people would feel. And I just, I just want to read this intro to you so you see where we're coming from. The country has been set ablaze with protests against police brutality and racism. Among the voices calling for change are those that call for police departments across the nation to be defunded and for city budgets to allocate more funds to education, housing, and healthcare. So what gives? Uh, I was watching CNN this morning and they were saying that they can't, it's too early to say whether the uptick in violent crime is attributable to uh, the calls for defunding the police. Let me hasten to say that traditionally at this time of the year, there is an uptick in violent crime. The weather is warmer. People are out more. They're interacting more with one another. And most, most crime, most violent crime, statistically, is taken amongst people who know each other. So they know each other or they have an affinity for one another or they've had some exposure to each other. It's not just the random incidents where they're at a bar and some guy uh, kicked off or ticked off some girl or ticked off some other guy's girl. Those are what you call random, Right. That is the violent crime that really should happen. But a lot of violent crime in Philly, Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago, Chicago South Side, and so on, and in other concentrated cities in the country, happen amongst people who know and love each other, people who know each other, people who are related to one another, people who live next door to each other, people who went to high school together, went to middle school together, people who party together people who drink together, people who play card games together, people who smoke weed together, they vape together, and then they have a beef, brandish a gun, and that's the end of that. They have a conversation, a disagreement, and, and they brandish a gun. So how do we talk about defunding the police when we still have violent crime to deal with? It's an interesting correlation and an interesting intersection, wouldn't you say? Because that's really what we want the police for, violent crime, keeping our community safe, making sure that the vulnerable are protected, making sure that when senior citizens and women and children call the police, they show up. A lot of the conversation has been around uh, repatriating sources and resources to ensure that the police, uh, when they're called, they have a social worker to attend to most of the uh, mental health issues that arise and crime victim advocates, yeah? So that in the event where it's a domestic violence situation, but let's just be clear, the police by the way that it functions should really respond to every call as if it's a violent crime, right? So when some, let's just be clear now, the dispatchers who are answering these calls because it's not the police who get the calls. This is a dispatcher who fuels a lot of this conversation, who fuels these calls. The dispatcher should say, well, somebody calling that there's a black man uh, uh, hitting a white woman. Well, that's going to send every white male into a tizzy, and he's just going to show up with all his adrenaline pumping that he's going to kill this black man. Especially now that we know that a lot of the violence amongst police officers directed at unarmed black people come from police officers who have been infiltrated by the KKK. They're either KKK themselves or they're white nationalists. 
So same ethno-nationalism foolishness going on there where they believe in white power and they believe that they're carrying on. Listen to this part. This is the part that gets interesting and sounds really stupid in its outlying belief that they're carrying on the work of their ancestors by ridding the community of black people. Just a few days ago on my Twitter feed, somebody tweeted something about the KKK, who are law, some of whom are law enforcement, are actually going to start uh, lynching black men in certain states. I am one of those people who look at that like, seriously? There are some cities they didn't mention there. So you know what? Those cities are Philly, Chicago, Detroit. There's a reason for that. They're not coming into heavily concentrated black areas because it's unlikely that they're going to emerge alive if you come in there to try to kill black people and you look white. It's not going to probably end well. But do you see what I'm saying? But to me, the real call to action there is that this has already happened. That's what I took away from that. It's not an implied threat or an imminent threat. This has been going on for some time. Hence, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, uh, Sandra Bland, and the roll call of unarmed black people who have been killed in intersections and encounters with the police. Now, the other thing that is concerning that nobody has brought forward is that black police officers within the force have experienced racism and black violence from white police officers. But no, you're not talking up. Speak up. You've got to speak up so we know. There are black police officers who are off duty, who are either at a bar, and who, when confronted by white police officers, even when they show their badges, they're beaten up. There are black police officers in locker rooms who are beaten up. They have to toe the line, otherwise they won't survive. They will be set up and sent to jail for stuff they did not do. There are black police officers who are profiled when they're pulled over and mistreated even when they declare that they are police officers. Why are you guys not talking up? Because you're afraid that the white police establishment will come at you. Well, get the hell out of that. Get the hell out of that force then. And go find yourself in a police force that looks more like you and serve the community that looks more like you. But don't just sit there and put up with the violence and then make it sound like the rest of us are talking in a vacuum. We know we're not talking in a vacuum. We know these things exist. Where do you think we get this information from? The air? No, we know it exists. Black police officers are often mistreated by white police officers. There is systemic racism everywhere. How many black police commissioners around the country do you see? There is a reason for that, because it's a form of white power. And according to these folks, it's interpreted as form of white supremacy. Let's just be clear. The, the intersectionality of police violence is when there is an overwhelming number of white police officers patrolling black neighbor and brown neighborhoods. There is likely to be a cop or two or 10 in that department who believe in ethno-nationalism and white nationalism and who is most likely to perpetrate violence. The problem is nobody else in that blue wall of silence is coming forward to tell the truth. Nobody else in that blue wall of silence is coming forward to say that this is wrong. That is the problem. And because of that, we've got to get to this idea and wrap our minds around this idea. Well, what exactly are we funding the police on? 
I read a story that uh, uh, when the New York Police Department said they were going to uh, repatriate $1 billion in funding, you know what that included? That was personnel costs. Well, let me break down what personnel costs are according to this New York Times article. Personnel costs are pension funds, salaries, and other incentives that are given to police officers. I think the conversation around defunding the police surrounds, should surround that. Why are we giving incentives to police officers when violent crime is still high? Violent crime in every neighborhood is still high. People are still killing people in Chi-Town. They call it Chirac for a reason. Chicago, Chirac. 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 Because Chicago is not like an American city. Chicago is like you're in Iraq where they're firing guns and and bombs and, and cannons all the time. But the police has a department in Chicago. Why is violent crime still high? And I think that's really the conversation that we should talk about. I am not, I, I, I believe that police office, police departments, let me just say police departments should have social workers. I agree with that. I think after they have come out, they should go back, you know what I mean, and, and reevaluate the case and so on and send a social worker as a follow-up, send a crime victim's advocate as a follow-up. I agree with that part. But let's just be clear. When someone dials 911 and says, this is an emergency, somebody is attacking me, that's not the time to send a social worker because a social worker can't respond to that violent crime call. And here's the thing. We don't want to send a message to make it easier for criminals to think they can get away with it. Obviously, as a society, must control crime. We must get rid of the criminals. And criminals today are not just the people who are robbing banks or robbing stores or, or shooting places up. Criminals today are also white nationalists who are going around and creating crime so that the police will either ignore a community or come in the community with guns blazing. I think the police need to start investigating and telling us the truth and show us the faces on all these CCTV cameras that are in neighborhoods across the country designed to fight crime. Why are you still not solving who beat the place up, who shot the place up? Why is it still difficult to find people who are deeply penetrative? You're going to come back and blame the community that they're hiding criminals. You are not investigating. You are not digging it up and exerting force on those people and exerting pressure on those people to get the criminals out. That is the way you're going to solve violent crime. You have to apply pressure to the people who are creating the crime and causing the crime. The pressure is not kneeling on George Floyd's neck and all the George Floyds of the world. The pressure is not shooting Richard Brooks in the back as he ran away. The pressure is not letting George Zimmerman get away with shooting uh, Trayvon Martin. The pressure is not shooting an unarmed 12-year-old black kid with a toy gun. But if it were a white kid, you'd probably go over there and show him how to dismantle a gun safely. That's not the pressure. The pressure is not pulling over Sandra Bland and telling her that you should respect the law. That's not the pressure. The pressure is going after the criminals who rob, pillage, murder, and rape. Let the, the penal institutions be filled with those people. Let them full, feel the full extent of societal angst against committing a violent crime on seniors, 
on women and children and the vulnerable and the elderly. That's what the police should be focused on. I don't agree with just carte blanche defunding the police because what is the alternative? I don't know that dismantling an entire police department, I think you should fire all of them and hire police who look like the community. I read the story on the community where George Floyd was killed. Do you know it's a community made up of Somali refugees, war refugees from Somali? Now we understand why Stephen Miller, the architect of the president's immigration policy, who sits in the White House with all the power that the White House carries, Stephen Miller, his greatest plan was to eradicate and remove all Somalian refugees from this country. They came into the country legally under uh, refugee and asylum benefits. That's why they're trying to eliminate it. Stephen Miller has no other skin in the game except he's a white nationalist who hates black people. He probably hates me too. More than likely, he hates me. Do you see what I mean? So that community is a community made up of black people, black, but they probably sound different, have different ethno varieties. That's the community that you send people like Derek Chauvin into? Why do you send white people to patrol a community like that? Do you see what I'm saying? So now we have to look at what is called smart policing. Nowadays, policing is not just, okay, I'm going to send in two swap cars with guns and just start firing up as they did with Amadou Diallo in 1999. Nowadays, policing is, maybe we need to get to know this community before something happens driving through the community, asking who is the community leader, right? And saying, hey, we're driving through. What's up? How are you guys doing? That's smart policing, isn't it? Smart policing is going to the elected representative. As a matter of fact, let's just start this whole thing. The people who are elected to serve, do you have a relationship with the police precinct in your community? So, Let's look at the state level. I'm going to take the Detroit City Council because I live in Detroit, right? So the Detroit City Council is broken up into different sectors of the city. In every sector of the city, there is a city council representative. So I'm going to ask this question. Does the city council representative know the police precinct and its leadership in that community, in their communities? That's where it starts. Do you see what I'm saying? So before it gets to the national level, where George Floyd's neck was knelt on. Let's start right here at the local level. So does, when the citizens go to the representative and say there's too much crime, does the representative then go to the precinct leadership and say, hey, on such and such a block, on such and such a street, do we have, we have too much crime. What are you guys doing about it? That's where it starts. Then the police can say, well, we need more personnel. Well, why do you need, how many personnel do you currently have? And what do they do? Because I don't know about you, but I call the police and they sound like they're having coffee and cake and coffee and donuts. And they're not doing anything about it. They don't seem to think that it is their responsibility to come out and attend to issues. I'm serious. That has happened to me. And yes, they can come and talk to me about it. I let them know that I am who I am so they can come and talk to me about it. It's usually when you get people saying, well, you know, we, we, we ought to do this. and we No. If a citizen calls you and says something is wrong, it's your responsibility. You are paid by the citizens of the community. Go respond to it. If you're afraid, then what about the rest of us? People in the south side of Chicago are afraid of leaving their homes. 
but you have a whole Chicago Police Department that's over there. That's untenable. This is why the calls to defund the police are echoing in halls all across the place. And some of us are saying, whoa, 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 before you do that, let's talk about violent crime. Because the police are essentially there to do what? You're supposed to be preventing crime. I thought that's what it was about. You're not supposed to be investigating after the crime. There are some things like serial murders that it kind of catches you. And while you're in it, you kind of have to develop a protocol for it. But there are some things like there are some things like the fact that you need to prevent crime. Preventing crime means you're spending more time in the community than you are spending in the precinct house. Preventing crime means that you're patrolling the streets, engaging with the public, so you observe. You're the cop. You're trained to observe us. I don't know jack about that, but you know a criminal when you see one. That's your job. You drive around, you look at who languishes, who is congregating where, who is doing what, and you keep a tab on that stuff. But half the time you call the cops, their house in the precinct house, watching TV or watching porn. I don't know what the hell they're doing. And then now we have these problems of violent crime because largely the people who are committing these crimes, let me, the police already know. They know you are not coming out to watch. They know you are not going to do anything about it. They know you are not going to investigate. So they continue to do crime. Uh, last weekend, the Detroit Police Department hired or promoted some folks to detectives because prior to that, there were not enough detectives. And I'm like, a little too late maybe? The people are disenchanted because all they see is aggression, but not a solution to violent crimes. Your family member died 15, 20 years ago, and the crime is still not solved. Why? It's not that difficult. Why? We, we live in a country with so many law enforcement resources. Why are some murders still languishing and I have not been solved? That's in, untenable because you don't care and you would rather go to work, get a check, and eat yourselves into oblivion and just sit there and watch porn and watch TV all day. No crime is being solved. No, crime is not being solved. If the police we're doing the business of policing. Violent crime would not be the way it is in America. Trust me on that. But the problem is the police are not policing. They're sitting back and allowing the criminals to run rabbit. And the criminals say, well, the co- even if you call the police, they're not going to show up. And that, hence, when the conversation to defund the police started. So now my challenge is I am challenging the police. Get up and fight the crime. You want to stay entrenched in your community? You want to be effective in your community? Do you want to keep your job? Then start working on violent crime. Start preventing it and start solving it, and then the people will not be calling for defunding the police. Yes, you need more money, but you don't need more money for salaries. You don't need more money for pension benefits. What you need is more tools. You've got all the tools. The police is practically a military state. Do you see what I'm saying? The police is practically a military state. But what has happened? These are the issues and these is where people are saying that we need help. 
I don't agree with defunding the police. But I do believe, I do want to see violent crime being, being solved, and I do want to see violent crime being stopped. I'm sick and tired of seeing women and children being raped, molested, and nothing happens with it. That women are indiscriminately killed and murdered, and no crime gets solved. But on the other hand, the police are like, yeah, we need some more money for, for salaries, and we need some more money for pensions. Guys, seriously, speak up. Tell us what the issues are. You have representation, but what is the representation? If you are not going to put your lives on the line, then step out of that blue uniform. Because every time you take, a te- you take an oath, every time you take an oath to protect and serve, understand that it is the most courageous thing you could do because you are putting your life on the line. If you are not willing to accept that, then how are you willing to accept the accolades that comes with it? It's a responsibility. But if we don't curb violent crime, I'm afraid we're going to run into issues as a society. Violent crime, it's too much across the country. In Philadelphia, over the weekend, 200 people were shot. And if you check the numbers for the previous year at the same time, they're comparable. It's not like previous year, 10 people were shot, and all of a sudden, it's 200 people being shot this year. No, it's comparable. It's trending. It, it, the police have the statistics. You guys have the stats. You can see that last year, over time, you, in fact, know, the minute it starts getting warm, the criminals feel like it's open season. I am saying it's open season on women, children, seniors, and the vulnerable. It's open season. They attack seniors. They attack women. They rape and pillage. And where is my help? Where is my help coming from? The police need to get to the business of neighborhood policing. I, I, I kid you not. The criminals need to fear the police. I will say this all the time. Innocent people run to the police and the criminals run away. We can't defund the police. That doesn't make sense. We can't dismantle the police. That does not make sense. But what we need to do is to reinvent the way that that is done. Violent crime has to be the focus. You can't just act on suspicion that you see some guy standing in a place and you just fire 41 shots because he's black and you are white. We really need to start looking at who are you hiring, okay? So you're gonna hire people to serve Detroit. According to the police chief here in Detroit, he said this. He said, you gotta hire people from the community to serve the community. And I was like, duh, that wasn't rocket science. He's right. How in Minneapolis? in the area where George Floyd was killed, is an area of Muslims. Why would you have white police officers there? Doesn't make sense, does it? You're not engendering good community relations. You have all the tools. You have all the guns, all the weapons, all the SWAT stuff. During the protest in Detroit, I didn't even know the Detroit police had those big tanks and stuff. I, I was holding my breath watching the protest. I was like, Oh my God, no. So you have the tools. And 
here in Detroit, I'm just going to say this as a disclaimer, the police here in Detroit have an excellent relationship with the community. Let me just say that. They have an excellent relationship with the community. In Detroit, people don't run away from the police. When they see the police come, they walk right up to them, say, hey, officer, this is what's going on. The people will tell the police stuff. So this is not the Detroit area. I know we had some issues during the protest, but that is, let's just say that that was a situation like a powder keg. Still needs to be re-examined. I still don't like that. It still needs to be re-examined, but the conversation really should surround how do we effectively move forward. Dismantling is not the idea. What about violent crime? We do realize that violent crime is not going to end, right? Violent crime, we do have to accept that. What we need to put into perspective is that the George Floyd situation has shown us that there is something wrong with the hiring practices, that we have hired people whose sole agenda from the very beginning was to use the police as a tool to get back at citizens. That's what it showed us, that there were white nationalists whose sole intent was to use the uniform and the protections that being a police officer offer so they could get away with murder. That was the intent. And we have seen it over and over again, and nothing we as a group of people have said has made it better. Nothing. So we've got to start looking at ways in which we can reinvent and re-image what policing is because the current space of it is not helpful. It can't be that one group of people view the police as their helper and another group of people are terrified. They're afraid if they're pulled over, like I am, that I'm going to be cuffed for something I didn't do. I try to walk the straight and narrow. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't do any of that stuff. So I try to walk the straight and narrow. But I'm still like, I don't want to have that negative encounter because it's probably going to be unpleasant. That should not happen. That is sad, and that should not happen in any form. I don't care if Twitter closed shut me down because they don't want to hear this, this, this stuff. Truth is truth, and it's always going to hurt. There are people within the police department. Not every police officer is bad. But I want to ask you all, you're in it. Why aren't you speaking up? Even if you don't want to say it in your own name and voice, why aren't you being anonymous and sharing it? I know that this kind of this systemic racism happens because all across the country, there are more white police commissioners and white police chiefs than there are blacks even in areas that are culturally and ethnically diverse. Is that not true? Yeah. So if that is the case, if the leadership does not look like the community, how is that going to be effective servicing? Right? It's, it, there's a disconnect, isn't there? There's a serious disconnect. We have a problem with violence and brutality. That's the conversation. And the brutality is directed at unarmed black people and directed at black people. And it's coming from white ethno-nationalists who have penetrated the force. And you all know this. 
and you're sitting back and we the citizens are paying the price. You're like, well, let them play it out. I know it's difficult for you to perform the tasks of your job because you're so accustomed to encountering criminals that you immediately criminalize everybody. You probably see me and profile me and criminalize me before I even open my mouth. Because everyone is viewed within the context of criminalizing. But we got to be smarter about that. Probably need to do more behavioral uh, training in profiling people so that you know, just like the FBI does, they kind of disarm you because they approach you based on how they profile you. That's probably where we need to go. But we do have a problem with violent crime in most major cities across the country. We can't dismantle the police. We can't defund the police. We can't. It's ridiculous. Let me ask you this. We send people to prison, ostensibly to be rehabilitated. Statistically, some of these folks emerge and recidivism is, is a thing. They go back to prison really quickly. So those people are coming back out and they're doing the same crimes. They're committing the same crimes. That's often violent. If they were rapists before they went in, when they come back out, they're probably going to rape. If they were murderers, they're probably going to shoot. Because the behavior is what is the problem. The behavior that causes someone to be a rapist or a a, a murderer is not the police's job. The behavior that causes that, that's a psychiatrist's job. When they enter the penal system, that is where those remedies take place. The police responds to the call and shows up, determine a crime has been committed, who is responsible, take them away, go prosecute, go take them to the prosecutor for the prosecutor to deal with it. We got to be very clear on what we want. We want violent crime to be reduced in all our communities. That's our goal. Violent crime also includes shooting at unarmed black people by white ethno-nationalists who wear the uniform of the police. That is a hiring practice. We need to examine that. And we really need to investigate that because that just can't be. You can't use, just like, just like, you can't use the veil, the uniform, and hide your prejudices and biases and then act them out on unsuspecting people. That, that tears down the image the community has that the police are here to help me. This is a very difficult conversation. And it, but it's a conversation that is worth exploring for the benefit of all of us. For many years, many of you know me, I've been a supporter of the police. Uh, If you've read my book, Through the Fire, I talked about how a sheriff brought me relief from violence in my home. My ex-husband beat me violently. Had the neighbors not called the police and shown up, and the police not shown up, I wouldn't be here today. That night, like many times before, he intended to kill me. He almost succeeded, but by the grace of God for an intervention by the the Seminole County uh, Sheriff's Department in Seminole County, Florida. They showed up, right? And they effectively, (laughs) he did not come back. Oh, yes. 
that was violent crime. When I talk about violent crime, he beat me. This is not, no crime is not violent. I, I don't even know what forms of crimes are not violent, to be honest with you, because in some measure, the victim is violated, right? But we need to have more policing like that. Now, could that have been prevented? Yeah, I, could, I shouldn't have married him. That would have been one prevention. Uh, did the police show up prior to? I never called them because I was scared. You see what I'm saying? So in those measures, maybe that's not some things you can't prevent it before it happens. But when the crime did take place, did the police bring relief? Yes. Well, that's what we want. So we need to have this conversation. And you guys in blue, you need to hear us and be open to what we have to say. As much as we're afraid of you, we also admire you. As much as we don't want you to be hurt either. As a community, we hurt when you hurt, when one of you drops from defending citizens. We don't want that. But you gotta, the violence directed at unarmed black and brown people. Even if he has a prior criminal record, like in the case of Rashard Brooks, he had a prior criminal record. But at the time, where's your training? He he was drunk. See, in that case, that guy, that police officer, he was racist. But what about the kids who were driving through the protest in Atlanta? They were trying to get away from it, and the cops reached into the car to grab them out. Why? Smashed the car up to grab them out when they were driving away. They weren't pointing guns at the police. They weren't giving the police fingers. They weren't doing it. They weren't disrespecting the police. They were trying to get away from it. You see what I'm saying? So the police became angry that people were protesting and you decided to take that violence out on others. Kind of not so cool. Much like in the same way, me having this conversation, all of a sudden y'all just gonna hate me now. I'm on your side, but are you on my side? I know you're listening. I'm on the side of the police, but are you on my side? Am I going to be, are people like me who look like me, who walk around in my skin, who sound like me, do we have to go out now and worry about being pulled over? Because you don't like what we say. We have concerns. The concerns is that we want to live in a society and in a community free of violent crime. That's our concern. We want to engage with you in addressing that. But can I just ask the question? Do you have to be profiled for that? We need to get back to the business of fighting violent crime. Violent crime is a problem. And this is nothing about the society being violent. We are a postmodern society. Our roots started in violence. Didn't we throw off the tea in Boston? I call it a tea party, but it was a violent act, wasn't it? Wasn't the American Revolution a violent act? (laughs) How the West was won was won with guns at OK Corral. The West was not won with us singing All Saints Day and sitting on our porches sipping tea. Uh Uh-uh. The West was won by Jews and Judas with guns on their hips marching up and claiming that land. (laughs) It is what it is. 
I love you all. But we got to engage more. We got to talk about what we're going to do about violent crime. There is violent crime. Rapes are still happening. Murders are happening indiscriminately. People are beating up their family members. They're robbing our grandmas and grandpas when they get their little social security. They're raping our grandmas for the love of God. They're beating up our cousins and our nieces and our daughters. Violent criminals exist who have no other plan but to be violent. We need to fight violent crime. So dismantling the police is not the answer. Defunding the police is not the answer. The question really is how do we control violent crime? How can we put a lid on it? That's the question. So we need to be engaged. We need to talk. Come on, you guys in blue. We need to talk. We need to have a conversation. This is a conversation that we got to have. We've come to this point. This is, this is perhaps the best part about our republic is our intersections. This is the greatest thing about America. We can sit down and talk. So after all this is over, we need to talk. We need to talk. We need to have this conversation. we got to have it. What are we going to do about violent crime? we got to have this conversation. This raping is not normal. Raping of women and children and seniors is not normal. Killing of family members because you have a dispute over who cooked the beef. Ew. You have a dispute. You took somebody's drugs and you didn't pay them back and now they're looking for you so they go shoot up your whole family because they're mad that they didn't get their money because their egos are so involved. The people who are dying are incredibly young. They're under 35 because they are so egotistic. It's all about how I look. And you can't just do this to me because I don't want anybody to, they have the wrong concept of disrespect. That's not the police's job to teach them what is self-respect and what isn't. The police's job is to who committed the crime and solve that crime. And is it preventable? Can I stop them from going to shoot up other people who are innocent, like a five-year-old who get caught? Or you shoot up a house because you and the people in the house have a dispute, but you kill a 12-year-old child sitting there watching TV. Violent crime is the issue. We have that problem. And we can't get away from it because we're a nation rooted in violence. (laughs) We started like that. But how do we get rid of it, right? We leave the world in jailing its own, invading others, and making refugees. That's someone's comment. Do you know that we have the highest prison population in the world? And we're not the most populous country on the face of the earth. China, India has that statistic of being the most populated country. But we have the highest. So it seems to me we have a prison pipeline to put young people in. So we have an anger management control problem that spills over into violence that causes people to be incarcerated. But the problem right now that we're seeing with this violence directed at unarmed black and brown people comes from ethno-nationalism. White nationalists who have put on a police uniform with a badge and a gun and go out there and look for black people. They can pull over, beat, kill, drop them in a ditch, and kneel on them 
And that's why we're saying, "Uh uh-uh, you're not going to do that. Enough of that. You're not going to continue your racist agenda that you're where your ancestors left off, you're going to pick up. Real police. The real police show up and say, hey, what's going on? How are we going to stop this? Who is involved? Let's talk about this. That's more what we want. So in other words, what I'm saying, policing in the 21st century has evolved and should evolve. We're probably, we're probably not ready to accept that. Crime is changing. They're no longer just pointing a gun now. You realize that. They're hacking into computers. They're stealing our stuff electronically. They're hacking into our home protective devices. Crime is changing as much as that. So policing needs to change. How much of the police funding goes to cybersecurity? How much of it goes to watching the way criminals are doing this? It's not just about watching cameras and using facial recognition technology. That's getting old. It's that the criminals are fined walking around with scanners to scan our purses to take out. This is why I carry big purses. It's filled with a lot of stuff. Good luck trying to get to my wallet. You're going to have to go through like about three different sections to get to that. Right? They have technology where they're looking at our home protective devices. And they're able to hack into them. You don't believe me? Listen to what people are saying. I kid you not, right? They can hack into our car navigation systems and stop our cars while we're driving down some roadways, right? All right, so we jail five times more than Canada per capita. We have five times more bad people than Canada. (laughs) The most racist country is India. The U.S. has 20 times the people in jail per capita than India. The most populous country is India, and we have to. Yes, we do. We lock up more people because we have a capitalist system that is directed at making money off of people being in jail. That's what that is. And as usual, it targets because black people are perceived to be weak. We're changing that dynamic and changing that discourse now. Hopefully out of these protests, people will begin to realize that the black people who were our ancestors, they left. They left this conversation a long time ago. Black people who remain today, we're not about to put up with that. Right? So policing needs to match the times that we live in. In order for it to be effective, it has to match the times. So I don't agree with the conversation about dismantling the police and defunding the police. I am as angry as heck. At, at what happened to Rayshard Brooks, and, and, and I'm angry. That could have been anybody. But at the same time, I have issues with violent crime. I have issues with people who rape children. I have issues with people who rape women, who attack seniors, and who try to make people feel unsafe in their homes. I have, people with, I have issues with people who are just violent by nature. They're driving down the street, and they use their vehicles for vehicular homicide. I have issues with people like the ones in St. Louis who just feel like they're white so they can use their white privilege to just point guns at unarmed protesters. I believe the police need to visit those people and make them know what it feels like to be targeted. So if we're going to police effectively, then we need to do it with a colorblind approach. The goal is to solve crime, not look at the color demographics of the person, but look at their capacity to commit crime. 
oftentimes we view people through a different kind of eyes. Now, we don't need their cars, police in school, and my long police funerals. The waste is enormous. Wow. Wow. Many decisions regarding police are made during open city council sessions. Too often we wait for an incident to occur before showing up and stating our displeasure. Of course. We never show up. In, in, I don't know about other cities, but I imagine it's the same in every democratic, because we're a democratic society. In Detroit, there is an open forum where the police commissioners meet, and you can meet and direct your angst at the police. You can ask. It's an open forum. You ask the police chief, attends, and you ask questions. You need a police chief who looks like the community and who is empathetic towards the community because he's most likely to respond. Here in Detroit, we have that. I can't say it enough. I can't say it enough. It, uh, watching Detroit police has taught me a lot about good and bad policing. I kid you not. I look at what they do, and then I look at other places around the country, and I'm like, hmm, something is off. Not for any other reason, but they approach policing from the perspective of neighborhood. You see what I'm saying? That's a whole different look at it, as opposed to these are all criminals. Let's just go in there. Da, 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 da. No, right, right. So we need to we need to look at it. Policing has got to change to match the society we live in. We can't just look at it and have this blanket policy that all people who are not white are criminals. That's got to change. That is not true. It never was, and it never will be true. Criminals are criminals no matter what color they are. Sometimes the worst criminals walk around in suits and occupy the 15th floor of a corporation. They're the biggest criminals, and they're never the ones with cups slapped on them walking down to the precinct to have their rights read to them. Criminals are criminals no matter what color they are, no matter what race they are, no matter what gender they are, no matter where they come from. Policing needs to look at people like that. Stop excusing ethno-nationalists. You, the police department and federations and police unions, stop excusing the people who put your uniforms on and pick up your badge and go kill black people and brown people indiscriminately. Don't defend them. They are what they are. They're killers. Stop excusing that. Leave the business, the wholesomeness of the policing to the fact that you are engaged with the community that you are a part of and that you are helping the community to feel safe and be better. That's really the message here, right? Uh, it's, it's, I suspect this conversation is going to continue. I suspect it's going to go on and on because we have not achieved parity. We have not achieved that area of peace. But we've got to get to the place where we recognize that something is wrong with the model of policing we're doing where we immediately criminalize people who are non-white. I am not white. So you're going to slap cuffs on me and, and because I don't look like what you think wholesomeness is about. We need to change that. The society has changed irrevocably. Why can't we wake up to that? What is the reluctance in accepting that the power structures that existed 100 years ago worked for 100 years ago, but it has no place today? Why is that hard and difficult to accept? I got to leave this in just a minute. We, I only have like two minutes left. But do you see what I'm saying? 
We've got to accept that and move forward. And the police, you need to reach out to us. You need to reach out to the community because that's your job. You're the ones holding the guns. You can't be holding the guns directed at the citizens or the citizens should not be felt like the guns are directed at us. You should be saying, come, let's talk. Let's engage. I want to hear what you have to say. They did that in Detroit. I don't know about the other cities. It seems to me the police just in New York, they run New York, so they just make statements. In Detroit, the mayor and the police chief sat down and heard from organized protesters. I don't know what happened in New York. The police just, they just make a, a statement. And that's it. That's the law. What is this, a military society? No. Engage. Tell us what happened. Tell us what you're going to do about violent crime. People still getting raped. The homeless are still being raped and pillaged and beaten and murdered and thrown in the Detroit River. And they don't have a voice. We still need to talk about that. The other parts of it, like the social justice parts of it, where we need more people who are social workers. Yeah, certainly. That, yeah. But to dismantle the ability or tie the hands of the police to fight violent crime, nah. Nah. Because the criminals are out there and their intent, in other words, what I'm saying is, as a society, we need to just accept that people are, there are people among us who are murderers and rapists and who have no other interest in the world and no other business but to continue to murder and rape and rob and kill as much as they can. We need to just, just accept that. Just accept that. And those are the people we need to control, not unarmed people. Now, people like me driving down the street, people who use their vehicle for vehicular homicide, they know they had one drink too many, but they still have something to prove. So they're going to get on the freeway and then kill off other people. No, they need to not have driver's license. They need to go spend some time sitting down and thinking about it, have an interview or an encounter with a county. That's police. So going forward, I think this is an uncomfortable uh, conversation, but I think it's going to be worth the time to invest in what makes effective policing. What are we going to do about violent crime? It's my problem, and it's the police's problem. It's our community problem. What are we going to do about it? We can't dismantle the police. Who then keeps the peace? You want to pay armed mercenaries to do this? I don't think so. We can't defund the police. They don't need that much money for personnel costs. (laughs) In that case, then we need to pay the military more, (laughs) right? Security guards, guards in schools, nurses, right? People who are actually just there. Now, you're not the only ones putting your lives on the line. We all are to some extent. Our society has become so violent that each time we leave our homes, we have to wonder, am I going to get back home? That wholesomeness is gone. It's the 21st century. They're unlocking our doors without us even being in at home, without using a key. That is where policing needs to be. If you want to direct resources, that's where it needs to go. I got to go, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to me. And uh, thank you for your comments. Education is the most important for the future, not jailing. I agree. 
Changes are coming. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for your comments and for being a part of my experience this morning. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. For more information on me, go to HarrietKamek.com, as well as listen to our previous podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. I welcome your comments. Thank you so much for participating. And as usual, have a great Tuesday. Today is the last day of June in 2020. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you so much. Be blessed. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.